What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Turn the Jets Live. I'm your host, Steven Zantz, joined by co-host Steven Russo. Steven, it's been a while. How you doing, bud? I'm doing good, man. It's uh, It has been a while, but uh, it's good to be back. I like this. It's, you know, typically we say never a dull moment, and we're just constantly just waiting for some news to drop. And it sounds like Derek Carr, maybe that uh, that first domino to fall to kind of set the quarterback market and see what happens from there. But uh, we're on the precipice, I think. I think February is the uh, the time where we really get an answer on who the Jets quarterback in 23 will be. But Overall, man, I'm doing good. It's nice to have a little breather, but it's also good to get back with you. Happy belated birthday to you. I know yesterday you celebrated your 31st, so happy birthday to you, man. And uh, how you doing overall? How's everything? Um, everything is great. I appreciate that. All the wishes from from like family, friends, uh, fans of the show. It's awesome. But uh, yeah, you know, Cromarty here, baby, 31. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I, uh, I tweeted yesterday that I was like, I hope I don't have to wait another 31 years for the Jets to finally win a Super Bowl. Yeah, hopefully hopefully before then, right? Yeah, yeah, seriously. Um, but yeah, like you said, Derek Carr, first domino, probably to fall. He met with the Saints. So, you know, there's obviously some mutual interest there. Um, it's interesting because if I'm like, if I'm, the, if I'm him, I'm like, I'm going to wait it out versus like getting my contract absorbed because like, he may actually feel like he should, you know, take visits, see like what everyone's pitching him. And also he could redo his contract completely. And I, I mean, that's what I would do, but it seems like he's that they're the front runner. So if that domino falls and you, you got to assume that the jets are going to pivot real, directly to Rogers. I think, I, I think it's pretty apparent that Rogers is the number one target for us right now. Um, whether that, whether that means that we get him, I don't know because, you know, I don't work in the front mm-hmm. office, but there's a lot of people connecting the dots. I know there was a lot of smoke about the Raiders. Uh, it seems like it's just like, uh, I think Joe said this, that like last week was Raider week, the week before it was Jets week when they're talking, asking him about it on Pat McAfee's show. Um, I mean, he said that he's going into a four day uh, like hideaway, probably going to be tripping on some Ayushka, whatever that, what the hell, whatever the hell that he takes to figure out what he wants to do, sit in darkness, and then a decision will come. Uh, I, I know our, our friend Meeks made the comparison to Entourage when they went to Joshua Tree when Vince <laughs> was trying to figure out what movie to do. Yep. So I don't know, man. What are you what are you thinking so far between Carr and Rogers right now? Yeah, I mean, it's always been um, I think option obviously option one was always Lamar Jackson, but I think that ship has clearly sailed. I just I don't see uh, I don't see the Ravens not re-signing him. I know the reports are that they're $100 million off, but I, I just feel like that'll get done. Even if it doesn't and they trade him, it won't be within the conference. So <clears throat> I think Lamar's out. The next best option is obviously Aaron Rodgers. And, and at this point, it kind of feels like Aaron Rodgers and then everybody else. I do. I was in the camp that uh, Derek Carr would be a better option than I think a lot of people and specifically a lot of Jets fans were giving him credit for. But it just really never seemed to materialize like the Jets had legitimate interest. It felt like Carr was a veteran, uh, you know, solid QB that became available, that was going to become available. And the Jets are obviously a team that is clearly in need and wants a veteran quarterback. And you just figure that those two things will mesh and there will be mutual interest. But it just that really never felt like it got off the ground. So at this point, and I know that we have nothing to do uh, as Jets fans, <laughs> but sit here and let this marinate in our brains and kind of, you know, figure everything out. 
so it just feels like we've just been kind of sitting and thinking about this too long, but it does kind of feel like we're putting all of our eggs in the Rogers basket and that it's like Rogers as number one option. And then there's everybody else. So I think, <laughs> you know, based on what we're hearing, I know Connor Hughes was all over this, that it was the worst kept secret at the senior bowl. And, you know, the jets obviously are all in on Rogers. And honestly, I mean, you, you got to figure everything outside of whether or not Rogers want to actually play in New York and with the, you know, New York media that I think is a little bit overblown anyways, but Everything else kind of lines up to say, you know, the Jets, if he decides to leave Green Bay, would be the best option for him and would be his best option to actually win another ring. Um, But we'll see, man, because honestly, if uh, whatever their plan B, C, D, R, it's definitely not as good as as Aaron Rodgers. And um, it it kind of feels like it's Rodgers and and everybody else. And I'm not sure how close uh, any of those other options are. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I'm more bullish on Carr than a lot of people are. I mean, obviously, to me, Rodgers is the clear-cut favorite. I, I, I think uh, a bunch of us were talking about this in the in the TOJ Slack like a couple weeks back. It's like you're watching the AFC Championship game, and you're seeing guys like Burrow and Mahomes going head-to-head, and your feeling is as good as the Jets' roster is, and I think the Jets have a better defense than both those teams. I mean, I don't think that's like unfair to say the Jets' corners are amazing. They have a great defensive line. I mean – you know, they definitely have some weaknesses in the middle of the field, specifically one of the linebacker spots in safety. But, you know, you feel good about that defense. You think that they could contain guys like that. But the question is, can a guy like Derek Carr, you know, maintain that pace? I mean, I think he's only beaten Patrick Mahomes once, you know, in his career. And they obviously played twice a year since 2018 when Mahomes became the chief starter. So you worry about stuff like that. With that said, I mean, I think Carr is, you know, the floor – I think the floor is high, but the ceiling is low, if that makes sense. I mean, I don't think he's the kind of guy that's going to be like the the way he was in 2016 when he was an MVP candidate and he got hurt, unfortunately. And then they had to put Connor Cook out there in that playoff game, I think against the Texans and they lost Mm -hmm. and got crushed. But at the same time, I just, you know, I I think he could do worse. I mean, I know people don't, you know, love Jimmy Garoppolo. My, My personal opinion, and this is just opinion based on things I've read, you know, kind of connecting the tea leaves is that if they don't get Aaron Rodgers, I really think that Jimmy G is going to be the guy. And it just makes a lot of sense. I mean, you could make the argument that Carr, but I feel like Carr will be settled before that. But Salah knows him. He knows Salah. They have a long-standing relationship. I think the offense that Nate Hackett, who we'll talk about in a little bit, because you and I have never recapped that, um, is definitely going to be similar to what Jimmy's been used to um, in San Francisco. I think the key is, though, if you're going to sign a guy like Jimmy Garoppolo, you have to get someone who's a high-level backup. Because you can't you can't go into next year with Zach as the backup specifically. Like, if you're really trying to rehab Zach, he just needs to watch, learn, and just, like, take it all in slowly at this point. I mean, I'm sure, and I put this in my column this past week, that <laughs> there's going to be, like, this, like, random week in, like, May or June or whatever before camp kicks off where, like, Zach looks so good and, like, mini camp and OTAs and whatever they're trying to pump up that value you'll, you'll see a couple of those leaks even though uh Rich Samedi actually had a nice little hit piece about Zach and LaFleur that came out today but I think the Jets are going to try to pump up that value and if no there's no takers you know maybe like a fifth round pick at best at this point they're going to keep him here and see if that you know if just sitting back and watching could really help him and maybe develop him into a high-end backup at this point but I, I think the ship has sailed, but I really think it's going to come down to probably Rodgers and Jimmy G. And maybe if Jimmy G doesn't work out, let's just say he goes to the Raiders and Rodgers stays put, retires, whatever it may be. 
Tannehill is probably the fourth guy there, even though there isn't a confirmation that Tannehill is going to be gone. I I think it's more everyone connecting the dots because, um, you know, Tennessee seems like they're in a weird spot where they have Malik Willis, who to me didn't really look like a quarterback. They have Dobbs. I'm not sure if he's a free agent or not, but I, I just feel like they're ready to move on and the way the roster is shaping up, they don't have like a lot of good weapons, which is why they don't really make sense to me as, as mm-hmm. a spot for Rogers. I know people have been saying, you know, he has a, he's building a house down there, maybe like, you know, living in the South would fit his lifestyle. I don't listen. I don't know the guy personally. I can't speak on that, but to me, the team is not good enough for, for his liking unless he just really likes Frable and wants to live in Tennessee. But uh, mm-hmm. what are your thoughts on, you know, my takes about Jimmy G potentially being the clubhouse favorite if we don't get Rogers? Yeah, I think you're probably right. And I think you're spot on with the biggest concern. I think, you know, in a vacuum, Jimmy D is is a solid number two option to Aaron Rodgers. I think the biggest problem is durability. And so, so much of that decision is contingent upon what they do with the, with the number two position. Because if you're going to roll in um, to next year, to next season with Jimmy Garoppolo as your starter and Zach Wilson as your backup, that doesn't make anyone feel good because you know that Zach Wilson is definitely on the hook for probably what four to six starts. Cause that's just historically what Jimmy Garoppolo has done is he consistently gets hurt. So knowing that um, you'd have to have a number two option uh, that's not Zach Wilson, whether it's bringing back Mike white, but then the, you know, the injury concerns come back with Mike white there. So I, I, I really, it's, you know, again, we've given this so much time to marinate that it's, it's really, it's boom or bust and, and it's all for Aaron Rodgers, And that's kind of what it feels like. But if you ask me right now, I mean, I'm lukewarm on Jimmy G solely because of that injury history. I think I'd prefer options like Tannehill or maybe even a guy like Jacoby Brissett more just because of that um, injury history and that consistency. Uh, But still, I do think that kind of reading the tea leaves, it does feel like plan B uh, if they were to miss out on Rodgers um, would be a pivot to, uh, to Jimmy Garoppolo. But, you know, it's, it's really interesting. You look around the other options. I mean, I really do feel like the Jets are the best. I mean, to come in, what they have, um, you know, you patch up a few spots on the offensive line. You get, you know, a, a solid number two receiver, which I think they'll do. And if you get a guy like Aaron Rodgers, obviously that draw um, becomes a lot more, uh, looks a lot better, right, for, for pr- prospective guys. Um, mm-hmm. And you already have a top five defense in play here. So I think, you know, the potential to win, I think Salah is a well-liked and well-respected coach. I think clearly there's history there. Um, so for, for Aaron Rodgers, I do think that, uh, you know, like we were saying, if if he decides to leave Green Bay, I think the Jets are really the best option for him. And I think everything kind of tees up nicely for them, whereas you look at the other places that he could go. He already said no to San Fran. Um, you look at the other option in Vegas and what's really there besides Devontae Adams. Now, that's obviously a big thing. Um, but really, that's kind of their only hook. You look at the Jets and what they have, the young talent across the board, top five defense, Nathaniel Hackett, um, really a team that's kind of built to win with those, you know, with uh, those weapons, young weapons specifically. Um, yeah, that's just what it feels like, man. So I'm I'm, I'm holding out hope uh, that it's Aaron Rodgers. But uh, yeah, I think plan B would probably be to pivot to uh, to Jimmy G at this point. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I, Alex in the chat was saying it's like it'd be a massive mistake if they don't even do diligence on on Carr. But like, I think the problem is is that he may pivot quickly, which I'd mentioned in the chat. Uh, we got another question uh, from the Joker two hundred one. Wouldn't Tannehill be better than Jimmy? And would you trade for Love if Rogers stays? That's a good question. 
it's a very challenge with a guy like love and i think it's intriguing just because it's untapped potential because he i think he had like two like his one career start and i think he you know he filled in nicely in that eagles game even though it was a blowout i'm interested the only thing is is like you know, you could be going down the Zach Wilson road versus getting a proven commodity, whether it, the guy is, you know, a lower, a lower ceiling, but at least, you know, he's an NFL quarterback. That's, that's the thing. It's like the Jets just need like, you know, solid quarterback play to like, not only, you know, give them a chance to win football games every week, but also to make sure that guys like Garrett Wilson, Elijah Moore, um, the tight ends, who, whomever else they bring in as pass catchers, because there's been rumblings about both Corey Davis and uh, Braxton Barrios being cut. You just need someone who to feed them reps so their development doesn't get stunted, specifically a guy like Elijah Moore, who basically his second year in the NFL was like a waste, which sucks. But look, Rodgers to me is the guy that I want. It's the guy that like, like you said, it just makes a lot of sense. The only thing here is like, do they not, I mean, does he not want to live in New York? Because football wise, like they do have a really solid roster with the exception of the quarterback spot right now. And they need a left tackle, but you would assume that they're probably going to take a left tackle at 13 in the draft. I mean, that's what everyone's been mocking to them at this point, but it's so early to tell because number one free agency hasn't happened. Also the combine is in a couple of weeks away. And that's typically when you start to hear a little more smoke about where teams are leaning and the jets are picking in the middle of the first round. So it's like, you have no idea how the board's going to fall, but yeah, it's me. Rogers makes the most sense from a football standpoint. It's just a matter mm-hmm. if he wants to play here or, you know, if he wants to retire. Yeah. And to answer the question, so would I prefer Tannehill over Jimmy G? I think I would. I think Tannehill has a, a bit of a higher upside. He is, he's older. I think Tannehill's 35, which is kind of shocking. I know. It doesn't, it's really, it's yeah, crazy. <laughs> it doesn't feel like he's that old. But if you kind of look at the history, like, yeah, there are injury concerns, but you know, he played, let's see, uh, going back to Miami, he played 11 games in his final season there. Then he started 10 games at Tennessee, but that's when he took over for Mariota. Then it was 16, 17, and 12. So the injury history, I think, is more from the, you know, the middle part of his career as opposed to the latter, whereas Jimmy G, I think, has been hurt in every season that he's played. So just from a an injury standpoint, um, I do think that Tannehill will be a better option for me. And I also think he's got just slightly higher upside. Um, I think he throws a nice deep ball, and I think... I think uh, that's something that this team has lacked uh, really tremendously uh, over the course of the last few years. Um, in terms of Jordan Love, yeah, you know, it's a huge, huge coin flip. Like you're taking mm-hmm. a big swing, but it's one that I think I'd be willing to do considering like, I guess it would depend on how everything else in the QB market shakes out. Like if, if Jimmy G or Tannehill isn't an option and you're kind of left with like, you know, you trade for Jordan Love, depending on what the compensation is, but I don't think the Packers would recoup a first rounder for Jordan Love, given their situation and given just kind of the unproven uh, part of it. But if you're talking about, you know, Jordan Love potentially being the long term answer versus bringing in guys like a Jacoby Brissett or a Gardner Minshew, I think I'd probably take a swing on the higher upside guy in Jordan Love. Um, I think the downside to that is you're really getting him on the back end of that rookie contract. So you're not really getting any benefit from that because they're what? I think it, I saw the report today. They got to decide on the fifth year option by May. Um, uh, right? Yes, I, I yes. think that's accurate. So either way, that's what you're missing out on. Um, but as we kind of come to know, I think the uh, you know the salary cap is a farce. Look at the, you know the Saints year year in and year out are like fifty million dollars over the cap, but somehow have room to uh, to figure out the Derek Carr situation and make all these moves. So um, yeah, I think that's kind of you know. 
if my options, you know, if, if you were to rank them, kind of one is is Rogers, two in that second tier would be a Jimmy G and a Tannehill, uh, with Tannehill getting the slight edge, and then three would be a you know Minshew, Brissett, um, and if Jordan Love's available, I'd probably put him a notch above those other two. Uh, you you left out Carr. Is that you're saying? Is, you're assuming that I, Carr's I'm, off the I'm board? kind of assuming Carr's off the board. I think it's it's one Rogers, two is Carr, three I would put Jimmy G and Tannehill kind of on that same tier, and then four are the you know the Minshews, the uh, the um, Brissettes, and then you know Jordan Love actually became available. <laughs> Alex in the chat just said to me, "I despise Haneke, way too turnover prone." I just mean retain Mike White at that point. Um, I mean, I like Mike White. The issue is that you run into the same thing with Jimmy G. So like yeah. you sign Jimmy G and then you make Mike White the backup. You have two guys who've proven that they can't stay healthy. So I I don't know, man. I mean, I love White. I think he's like a good locker room guy. Everyone seems to like him. There was, you know, it seems like he was one of the most respected guys in the locker room because he was just a real honest guy. But you gotta you gotta have someone that you know that can play and that you know the team doesn't collapse because the quarterback can't move the ball. But like, yeah, I, I think. Listen, who's, whoever the starter is, let's hope that they can play, you know, 16 games and the 17th game not happening because they clinch a playoff spot and they rest their starters. Like, that's that's the hope here. I mean, this it's, team needs to make the playoffs or, yeah. you know, everybody's jobs are on the line, in my opinion. It's um, it's just the reality of the NFL. I mean, you look at, you know, the, the NFC Championship game and, um, you know, Brock Purdy and uh, Josh Johnson both went down. I mean, you need guys that can step in. You need guys that can play. And Mike White has proven, like, in spots, he can be fantastic, but he's also proven to be extremely fragile. So you can't rely on that. But I do think that Mike White is kind of the perfect backup. And I know that Connor Rogers alluded to it on Badlands. Like, you look for what what teams really look for in a backup is a guy that doesn't turn the ball over mm-hmm. and can just make the throws and do the checkdowns and stuff like that. And that's exactly what, what, what Mike White can be. So to look at him as your, you know, plug and play starter for next year, I don't see it, but if they bring him back as a backup, I have no problem with it. I do think he needs to bulk up though. I think that's a, a big thing about uh, what'll keep Mike White healthier, you know, moving yeah. forward in his career. The other thing, and I, I want to go, you know, go back to uh, a point that you brought up, you know, you think about, like you look at the AFC championship and you got Burrow versus uh, Patrick Mahomes and, you know, the, the gauntlet that is the AFC, but honestly, like get yourself to the dance and, and see what happens, <clears throat> excuse me, see what happens. Like anything can happen from that point. But if you get in the dance, if you get to the playoffs and figure it out from there, I mean, this is a QB dominated league and you're going up against the likes of Josh Allen, Josh Allen, Joe Burrow and Patrick Mahomes every year. But at the same time, like we're not far removed from seeing Peyton Manning basically with no arm make and win the Super Bowl. All you right. See, that defense is historic. Though. Yeah, but you know what? That's but this is the reality of the league. Like you're seeing guys you saw guys not not long ago, like Blake Bortles make the AFC championship. Casey Case Keenum take his team to the AFC championship like Brock Purdy. You know, granted, I mean, this this is so all I'm saying, I'm not saying that these guys are in the same caliber. All I'm saying is we're Jets fans. We've been 12 years now in the dumps. No playoff appearances one sniff at it well one and a half if you count this year as a half sniff like get yourself get yourself to the dance and anything can happen from there we've seen crazier things so that's all I'm saying you're not gonna you know Patrick Mahomes Joe Burrow they don't grow on trees you're not gonna get that guy but the hope is that you can build a team that's good enough around whoever you get at QB to compete and some kind of lightning strikes magic happens once you get to the playoffs and then you make a run Agreed. Uh, we did get one question. I did answer in the chat from BJ He's saying why I prefer the Jets to sign Jimmy G. You should just keep Mike White. To me, it's like 
Jimmy G has shown that he can win games. I mean, he got to a Super Bowl. You know, the Niners made to the NFC Championship game last year when he was a starter. I know he missed his time, but, like, he's proven more than Mike White. Mike White, you're banking on potential versus something that's proven. And his response response was, better off signing Nick Mullins. He's like, don't need more Shanahan scheme guys. But, like, (laughs) I don't know, man. I I, I think, you know, the offense is going to be similar. But, of course, I'd rather Rodgers. Rodgers is the number one choice. I don't know if you're tuning in in the middle of this. But, yeah, Rodgers is the guy. Absolutely. Um, but one of the comparisons I made is how Jimmy G has a little bit of Alex Smith to him in the sense that like he wins. I want guys who win games. The Jets yeah. lost six games in a row. That sour taste is still in my mouth. So <laughs> I get it. <laughs> I know me too. And who, who made the comment like during the season that uh, um, Mike White's kind of like store brand Jimmy G, whoever that was, <laughs> it may have been Connor Hughes, but I like that. I, 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 liked, I, I did like that. That's exactly what it is. I just think, you know, I think they're very similar. I think they are, um, you know, capable quarterbacks they're not going to light the world on fire but the one biggest hang-up is their injury their their injury prone and that's it and that's the same story for both of them but when you talk about upside and you talk about yeah steven you hit the nail on the head i mean jimmy g is a proven commodity he's made it to a super bowl he wins i mean kyle shanahan's record with jimmy garoppolo versus without outside of this season really but speaks for itself Agreed. <laughs> this guy, BJ, is pretty funny in the chat. He's saying how, I guess you guys still have your heart in your sleeves for LaFleur. How much did you cry when LaFleur left? And I'm like, nah. I'm like, I said, let's see how he is with McVay. And, and he's like, I remember how much you guys fangirled over him. He's going to be a head coach candidate one day. Um, so my thoughts here, and this has actually been a lot of fun with the chat and everything, and the Discord from Bad Lives has definitely helped with this. I, I think that he showed a lot of creativity that we weren't seeing from past Jets offensive coordinators. I get it. He, you know, I understand why they made the move. And like, the only issue was, you know, what's the alternative. And I've seen mixed reviews, mostly negative towards Nate Hackett. I mean, I'm more bullish on Hackett because I think he's shown he can call plays. I mean, I don't think he's, you know, this guy who's going to be getting another head coach opportunity. I think his results speak for itself, but He's a proven offensive coordinator. At worst, he's like an average offensive coordinator who showed he could take Blake Bortles to an AFC championship game. But yeah, I, I think LaFleur deserved like what happened, but like it doesn't necessarily mean it was the right decision. Hopefully Hackett's better. Hopefully the quarterback can obviously produce, but I don't know. I think why did Sean McVay hiring Michael LaFleur? Clearly a guy who has a good eye for talent for, in the coaching community went after him. He could have went to somewhere like, I don't know, uh, what's a team that's probably going to tank this year? I, like the Texans? I don't know, but even they're on the rise. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree. I think, um, first of all, and I think this has been said, but I'll, I'll say it again. I think the loss of Greg Knapp prior to the 2021 yes. season hurt this Jets offense and offensive staff so much more than anyone could qualify or quantify or, or anything like that. And then the absence of having a proven voice and a, kind of a senior voice in the room I think the the effects of that were felt as you got into the tail end of this season. Um, I think Mike LaFleur was kind of the benefactor of following up Adam Gase and Dowell Loggins, which he showed creativity. They were able to move the ball, you know, in 2021 with four different quarterbacks. Um, You know, he showed uh, an ability to be self-reflective, which is something that uh, I think the staff does well, but he showed it. And that was something that Adam Gase and Dowell Loggins couldn't do. And then for the first part of 2022, I mean, the Jets were seven and four and they, you know, they lit the world on fire against Chicago with Mike White as their QB. And they, (laughs) they hung in there against Minnesota and and Buffalo. And then, you know, the wheels fell off. And I think, unfortunately, Mike, or yeah, Mike LaFleur just happened to be the fall guy. When you look at it objectively, like going from LaFleur to Nate Hackett, 
doesn't feel like an upgrade. I think the experience is what gives Nate Hackett the nod, but so much of what we think, if not all of what we think of this Nate Hackett hire is contingent upon who they get at quarterback. And that's really going to determine the answer because, uh, you know, and I know that Joe Caparoso has said this too, uh, you know, does Jacoby Brissett and a Nate Nate Hackett pairing excite you? No, but does Aaron Rodgers and Nate Hackett excite you? Absolutely. So, so much of of what we think about what this offensive staff is going to look like is, uh, is really based on what quarterback they end up landing. Yeah, for sure. (laughs) Um, I, I agree with that. Um, the one thing I was going to ask you is like, what's going on with Calabrese? Because I was like convinced he'd be let go. And yeah. I think, I think that they're uh, waiting, you know, obviously if they get like a senior assistant, but like, I'm surprised that he's still on the staff, but I feel like things are going to change. I am too. Um, it, uh, I don't know. I didn't think he would make it. I, you know, the, the bringing in of John Beck uh, in 21 and then, firing LaFleur and firing Benton, um, but, ma- you know, maintaining calories on the staff just didn't make sense. And I I would imagine it's kind of a wait-and-see approach. Um, and and whatever happens, you know, uh, as the offseason progresses or whatever quarterback they get, and then, like you said, if they're going to bring in a senior offensive assistant as they kind of round out that staff, I think that'll determine uh, if Calabrese is safe or not. For sure. (laughs) This is so funny. How does Calvary still have a job? I know he's a boomers guy, but come on. (laughs) It's funny, man. Um, So let me ask you something. What what are your thoughts like in terms of like additions and free agency? Safety is a huge need. I've been saying Jimmy Ward makes a ton of sense. I mean, they definitely could go another direction. I think he could be a little more expensive, but I feel like Salah is definitely going to want his guy. And I saw DJ Reed was recruiting him on Twitter recently. So what are your thoughts on Jimmy Ward potentially uh, backfilling Joyner? Yeah, I mean, I, I like it. I think, um, you know, Joyner leading the team in interceptions this year is one of the bigger surprises of this past season. But I just think they need a guy that's more of a ball hawk. I, I I do I do think that Whitehead kind of got a bad rap. I think um, he's more of a box safety. I think that's where he excels. I, I, there were times where he missed tackles that led to big plays, um, and Joyner did that as well. But I think pairing him with more of a ball hawking safety would be, um, you know, a, a, a obviously a big improvement and something that you would see um, benefit the defense a lot. I think, you know, we spoke about it um, – at the tail end of the season, I think Sauce mm-hmm. and DJ became so good that teams just wouldn't even try them and were attacking the middle of the field. And I think I wrote it uh, in my article. It was something like, you know, tight ends against the Jets had like over 90 catches for 11, over 1,100 yards. And that's just because they were eating the middle of the field up because they wouldn't throw outside. So getting a guy um, like a Jesse Bates or a Jordan, Jordan Poyer or, you know, even uh, uh, Jimmy Ward, I think, would definitely help the defense. And that's a swing that I would take, but I'd like to see them take more of a, uh, uh, an aggressive approach in free agency to, uh, a, you know, a more ball hawking safety, someone that can pick the ball off. Like that's what we need. I mean, I know Connor and, um, and Joe were saying how, just how small and slow they were in the middle of the field and they do need some size. That's the key right now. Yeah. Um, I think, I think Jesse Bates will probably be too expensive. I don't think that Joe Douglas is going to want to spend a lot of money on a safety when he's already paying Jordan Whitehead, who people are asking to be cut. I don't think he's going to be cut. I think if he's ever going to be cut, it's probably going to be after this season because you never know. Um, but I don't know. I, I think middle of the field, they could definitely need a draft and inside linebacker because Mosley's getting older. 
I would imagine, and I said this, I think that they're going to re-sign Quincy to a more team-friendly deal unless it gets priced out. But I feel like Quinton's going to be like, if you're going to pay me, I want you to pay my brother too, which, you know, that sometimes these little handshake agreements are like package deals. But they definitely need to find somebody in the middle of the field. I would love, and I don't think it's realistic, a guy like David Long from Tennessee. He's West Virginia guy. That's that's my school. But <laughs> you never know, man. Um well, the other, you know, the other thing is too, like you look back and not to interrupt you, but you look back at that 21 draft classes, there's some, you know, some question marks there now, but the two guys that converted safeties, you know, Jamie and Sherwood and Hamza Nasruddin, it's like those guys were supposed to be, you know, projects, but at the same time, like, are we really waiting till year three for them to even get on the field and contribute? Like that was the Jets biggest problem from their linebacking core was they couldn't cover Quincy's good, but he's a boomer bust player. Like he's missing a lot of plays. He doesn't make any plays really in the passing game. CJ Mosley obviously was solid. He's uh, you know, a, a pro bowler. Um, on the other side, Quan, I feel like was good, but kind of fell off as well. So you look at like that should be Salah's MO is finding guys in the mid rounds that can come in and contribute. And really those two, I mean, would we call them failures at this point? Uh draft pick, you know, project draft pick converting from safety to linebacker. They haven't really been able to get on the, on the field and contribute. So it's just, yeah. but anyway, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. No, 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 it's, it's all good. It's all good. Um, but I think um, they definitely need to look um, in the interior if they can. I feel like they're going to draft a center. I, I mean, or if it's not necessarily a center, somebody who has versatility that can play both guard and center, because, you know, with the exception of Elijah Mir Tucker, you would imagine Max Mitchell is going to battle for a job. You, you never know with Becton. He looks good, but. I'm I'm going under the assumption that Makai Baxter is not going to give us much just mm-hmm. because what evidence do you have at this point that the yeah. guy's going to do anything? I would love for him to be rookie Makai Baxter, but you can't bank on him to contribute. Anything. You can't. You can't you have to operate as if he's not there. And if he comes back and can play, it's a bonus. It's amazing. I mean, <clears throat> look, everyone's been uh, making you know assumptions because I think he doesn't work with Duke anymore that maybe things are going to be better for him. I, I don't know. I don't know what goes into his training regimen and why maybe it wasn't working, but Listen, if he could be a contributor, that'd be great. I have no idea what's going to happen with Dwayne Brown. But, yeah, you never know. Um, but uh, we actually got someone who said they let Quincy walk and let Sherwin bow with a vet for a starting linebacker job. Uh, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I'm not okay with that. I think Sherwood is more of like a special teams guy, maybe situational when the guy needs rest. But I would definitely not bank on him being a starter from the two years we've seen of his play, it just hasn't been good enough to even just entrust him with that. What do you think about that, Steven? Yeah, I mean, I, I'd agree. I think if these guys were good enough to start and and get playing time, I think you would have seen them thus far. And they haven't. And they, you know, they haven't been able to do that. They haven't been able to get on the field. Um, so it's just one of those things, I think, banking on that. And then, you know, at the same time, like, what veteran are you bringing in? I mean, I don't know. I haven't looked at the linebacker free agent market religiously, but I would assume – that guys like Quincy Williams and Quan Alexander are probably atop that list. So Quan's else, lucky to be here. I can guarantee you that. Uh, you know, and that's the thing, especially if they pay Quincy. So it's one of those things, like, who are you going to bring in to, to compete? I mean, across the board, when you look at it, the Jets still do have holes. So, like, when you look at it, you're probably going to have to ask, you know, a young guy or two to fill into one of those gaps. Um, you know, is it a Tony Adams at free safety? I don't know. Mm-hmm. Is it a Hamza Nasruddin? Is it a Jamie and Sherwood? Like, you know, I would like to say like at interior defensive line, it'd be Jonathan Marshall, but he got picked up, 
you know, off the practice squad. So there's all those kinds of question marks and you really just don't know what you have in those guys, but you got to believe that, you know, one of those mid round picks from, uh, from this regime will slot in somewhere, even like an undrafted free agent, like Tony Adams, you got to figure one of them will kind of slot in somewhere just because there's simply not enough cap space to go out in free agency and fill every need you have. Yeah. So two, I just looked at the list of available, like top linebackers, uh, two guys that are interesting, Leighton Van Der Esch. I know he was really good as a rookie and just kind of tailed off, but he could be an interesting flyer. That's like low risk, mm-hmm. high reward, or a guy like Tremaine Edwards. Why not make your, your uh, divisional opponent get worse and steal a player from that defense? Yeah. Um, that's, those are intriguing guys. I don't think they're going to be super expensive. I think a guy like TJ Edwards, I think the Eagles will try to keep, especially that's mm-hmm. coming off a Super Bowl period. So who knows what's going to happen in the game on Sunday. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm interested by Van Der Esch. I've heard, I know people are mixed on him, but he's somebody that I would take a flyer on. What do you think? I mean, I like it. Yeah. It's just, um, you know, the, from the linebacker perspective, like Leighton Van Der Esch, I, I think what the Jets need is coverage skills. I don't know if Leighton Van Der Esch kind of, you know, provides that for them. Uh, a guy like Jermaine Edmonds. Yeah. You'd love to steal it. You steal a guy like that from a divisional opponent, but I'm not sure if, if, you know, this, you're really getting, he plays the same exact position as, as CJ Mosley. So another middle linebacker. Like, I don't know if that solves your problem. I think the jets play pretty much, you know, base nickel, but at the same time, you know, you still need guys uh, that can cover. So I, I really, it's, it's really a big, uh, big question mark, but I'd probably err on the side of going to, you know, like a third or fourth round draft pick and, and throwing them in the mix and banking on Salah being able to find a guy kind of in, in his realm of, uh, of specialty there to come in and contribute. Yeah, I mean, I'll be on track record as I'm saying that, you know, two minutes ago <laughs> isn't that great, but those are converted, they're converted, <laughs> uh, you know, positional players from safety to linebacker. So maybe you go out and you just get a guy that that's played the position that can come in and contribute. So I think that's one of the positions where you don't necessarily need to be a first round pick to come in and make uh, make an impact immediately. Yeah, agreed. Um, I I feel like, you know, they'll, they'll probably sign some guys. I don't want them getting someone like Jared Davis. That was the worst signing of the Douglas uh, era by yeah, far. <laughs> That was just so miserable. And it was yeah. the first thing they did in 2021. I was like, what? Like, I know it was like a first round pick. So like, maybe we he could be like a reclamation project, but God, that was a such a sign. letdown. So that was such a letdown. Like you're What's... looking forward so much to, to free agency starting and that's it's like, who? But, yeah. <laughs> was the Giants in the playoffs? I feel like he was right. He was like, filling I out. honestly don't know. I really don't know. But <laughs> anyway, um, so I got a question for you. So, Talking big picture, do you really think, despite what Woody Johnson says, do you really think there's a playoff mandate at one Jets drive? Yes, absolutely. There's no way that there's not. I think Woody just doesn't want to, you know, make those headlines. But he's probably said to them, if you guys don't make the playoffs, you guys are all fired because it's been far too long. You know, Joe Douglas has been given, I guess it's been five years now, I guess four with him actually running the show, even though. You know, the 2019 season actually helps his resume versus hurting it, even though it wasn't his guys other than like Khalil. Um, but yeah, I mean, I like Salah. I hope that he can figure this out. I think he did amazing, an amazing job with the defense. But, you know, the team faded down the stretch, and I do put that on him. But there were injuries to a lot of key guys like Brees, ABT, you know, instability at the quarterback position. Um, I'm trying to think who else, a couple of other guys. Offensive, the line, offensive line. In general. Yeah, offensive line in general. I mean, the defense – 
was relatively healthy. But the one thing that sucks is that you would imagine that with the defense being so healthy in 2022, that some guys are probably going to miss time because that's the nature of the sport. Yep. So, you know, I'm going to, you know, hopefully trust Salah that he could figure the, you know, those holes out that are inevitably going to happen. But let's hope that we get better luck on the offensive side of the ball so we can score some touchdowns. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think you're right. I think um, publicly coming out and saying, uh, you know, if they don't make the playoffs that uh, Joe Douglas and Robert Sala are fired, I don't think that's a good look. I don't necessarily think that's the motivating factor that anybody um, in their place of employment needs. Uh, however, behind the scenes, yeah, there's definitely, if they don't win 10 games and or make the playoffs, I think this is uh, the last season for both of them, which is, is sad because I do. I like both of them, and I think they've done. Yeah, I want uh, them to a, work a, out. I did. Yeah, me too, and they've done a commendable job. I do think that absolving Joe Douglas of – any and all blame in the Jets, you know, being what they are at this point, I think is, um, you, you know, it shouldn't be done. I think he has done some good things. I think he's done some bad things. I think the same goes for Robert Sala. I think you, you're absolutely right that he doesn't get enough credit for the defensive turnaround and what happened. But at the same time, like he needs to get some blame for the fact that this team was seven and four and then faded completely losing six games and ending up seven and 10. Um I think a lot of that was, was bad luck, but at the same time, now that we've had some time to, you know, it's not like I'm sitting in my, sitting at home, like just thinking about the jets and how 2022, season <laughs> but at the same time, like you kind of think, okay, well, you know, they pulled one out against Cleveland that, you know, they were pretty lucky. They, they were the benefit. Like, I'm not going to complain because we're jets fans. Like we've seen the likes of disgusting quarterback play. Luke Falk is the other one. That but comes to they, mind. they were the benefactor of playing, you know, some backup QBs and stuff like that. So when you think it, but you know, they came out with some big wins against, you know, Josh Allen and, you know, Aaron Rodgers. they beat, you know, uh, green Bay in Lambeau. Like they, they, you know, whether it's Mitch Trubisky or Kenny Pickett, like they did, they went to Pittsburgh and beat them. But at the same time, like, you kind of think about these other things and you're, you know, it, I guess too much time. It makes you think like, okay, how good was this season really? But at the end of the day, seven and four was seven and four. You got to give them credit for getting there at the same time. You have to blame them for losing the last six and missing out on a golden opportunity to make the playoffs. Yeah. I mean, the, the playoffs are wild. You never know what can happen. Think about Jacksonville. They were down 27, nothing and beat the Chargers. Like yeah. anything is possible. Yeah. Um, someone put in the chat, uh, hot take. I think there's a playoff mandate for Sala, but there is a possibility where uh, Joe Douglas gets one more crack at a head coach without playoffs next year. I don't want Woody hiring another GM. And he said, I get that it's probably inevitable at some point, but Woody's miserable at, at miserably bad at hiring people. Yeah, I mean, he's not a good owner, so I get it. I, I don't really trust him either, but you know, I, it's hard to survive. You know, two head coaches, you know, it's whiffing on the number two pick, whiffing on a left tackle. I mean, you know, it's People want to say that, you know, Sal is more responsible, but at the end of the day, the GM has his foot, his fingerprints all over the team. And like, they're, he's, he's more involved with the, you know, the week to week stuff that people want to realize. I, I mean, it's, it's hard. I, I, I don't trust Woody either. I get it. I understand. You know, like, I'm not saying that Woody is, you know, the best owner in all of sports. He's not Steve Cohen. Like, but at the same time, like, I don't know why he gets such a bad rap. Like, listen, he's been owner of the team for 22 years. And for the first 10 of them, they were a very good team that made the playoffs more often than not. Like, so I don't see what has really happened over the last 12, especially with him being four years. You know, he was obviously still involved, but four years in, in London. I just, I don't understand where all the hate comes from. Like, yes. Okay. I think his biggest. No, I understand it. <laughs> his, 
his biggest mistake was hanging on to Rex and firing Tannenbaum. Like that set the franchise back because then you pigeonholed yourself into trying, trying to hire a GM and pairing them with Rex Ryan. So that limited the candidate pool. And then it gets you to John Itzik. Now that decision sets you back clearly. But after that, I mean, I think he's shown patience. I think he's, He's not again. He's not the best owner in the world, but I don't. He spends. I, I can't he, get him on. He the does. Bench. Yeah, he does spend. So like, he wants to win. Clearly, I, I just I'm not a Woody Johnson apologist or defender. At the same time, I don't think you can just look at the last 12 years and say he's a terrible owner when the first 10 the team had you know pretty consistent success. Yeah, it's right. It's very it's very fair. Um, I mean, also people would always say that you know, he would be too quick to fire people. I mean, Gabe McCagney in like, what, five, he's five been years? Almost too patient. Yeah, right? except with Idzik, which I understood that. But Idzik, when you got rid of Rex, you had to get rid of Idzik as well because he needed to correct that mistake. Agreed. I mean, they, they should have left Tannenbaum alone. I know that that's been something people have said I, for a while, but they didn't have a quarterback. And when there's no quarterback, there's always a blame game. You're going to blame one guy. And then the other guy has to deal with the mess. Yes. And I think that was also like, Woody needed a fall guy for the Tebow move. And he's not going to fire himself because we know that he was a driving force behind Tebow. If you're going to fire Tannenbaum, what you should have done was fire Tannenbaum and Rex after the 2012 season. That should have been what had happened. Then you get a fresh start. You let the new GM come in, pick the head coach, and then things change after that but he he tried to have a arranged marriage with whatever gm he was looking for and rex ryan and not everyone was going to sign up for that with a lame duck coach well yeah that's why Isaac was the guy because exactly take the job and you can't do that there it is so that's the biggest the the biggest mistake that woody has made but again i just i I don't think he should i don't think we should be like groveling at his feet and saying he's the best owner in the world but i also don't think the hate needs to be to the level that it is he did that, and he also forced them to trade for Tim Tebow in the same in the same year. So that was, that a, was, that was bad. a bad move. That was a bad. 2000, move. 2012 was a very low period for Jets fans it between all was. that stuff and the butt fumble. What's just, crazy is how awesome that year started. Like <laughs> the blowout of Buffalo in the first game was just unreal, like totally unexpected, and then it just completely fell apart. I remember they were six and seven at one point. And I'm like, this is the worst six and seven team I've ever seen because I was like. Right? This team- that Arizona game where Greg oh my God. came in. Was... That Arizona game and then the 2016 game against the Rams. It was like, I think it was like 10-7 also. Bryce was... Petty. Oh, yeah. Yeah. They had yeah. that cool play where I think they did like a – Hook and ladder. Uh, a la- yeah, hook and ladder, which yeah. was fun. But yeah. that game that game was rough. Everything um... <laughs> <laughs> sport. All right. So – I'm assuming that there's going to be some clarity probably on something, whether it's Carr making a move, Rodgers making a move, somebody making a move on quarterback. We haven't talked about this in a bit in terms of predictions. Who's the Jets quarterback if you had to pick today in 2023? I think the odds on favorite is Aaron Rodgers. Is that your pick? That's who I'm picking. I think um, I'm, I'm willing it into existence, but I really do think it's going to happen. I just think that um, I think Green Bay has to make a decision on Jordan Love. And I think they're going to make that decision and they, they have to roll with them. I think you've kind of been, you know, hearing, reading things about how good he's looked. Um, and I just think it's time. And I think this is going to kind of replay the, you know, the Brett Favre thing from 15 years ago where they're just kind of tired of the antics and is he coming back? Is he not? Um, but I think that he would want a fresh start. And I just think there's so many things that line up to say, 
he should play for the New York Jets and the Jets would be the best fit for him outside of Green Bay. I just, I really believe that. So um, I think the history, you know, 15 years ago, this happened with Brett. I think the relationship with uh, Matt LaFleur and Sala, I think, I think there's an obvious respect there for um, who Gutekunst and, and Joe Douglas. I just think, it, I, I just, I think it'll happen. I think Aaron Rodgers, when all said and done is going to be the Jets opening day starter in 23. From your lips to God's ears, I'm going the other direction. I'm going to say it's Jimmy, it's Jimmy Garoppolo. I want Rodgers. Let me make that very clear. Everyone will be like, oh, you're being negative. No, I want Rodgers. I just, I don't know, man. I He's just a weird guy, and I, I just don't feel like he doesn't want to deal with being in New York City. I mean, to me, like, why not live in New York City? You're really rich. You can have a driver take you from Manhattan to yeah. one Jets drive. It's not that bad. But I don't know, man. I feel like he wants to play with Adams again. I, I know that that's like rumored. I'm not going off all these people who are sourcing it. I just, I feel like he wants to be out West. I don't think he wants to come to the East Coast. Listen, I want to be wrong. I really do. But at the at the end of the day, I feel like it's going to be Jimmy G. Solo feels safe. He, you know, Jimmy's a good locker room guy. Everyone in San Francisco liked him. Um, so listen, it's not my favorite choice in the world, but I, it's something I can live with. I mean, I talked about this like a month ago. If they signed Carson Wentz, my God, I oh, that's the one. What, you yeah. can't. They can't do anybody. That. But no, I agree. I remember the story of of McCagnan, uh and I'm sorry, not McCagnan, uh Tannenbaum when he landed Favre and like the work that he had to do, and he had to like find Favre like a hunting camp deep in New Jersey somewhere. <laughs> and, like, but it's like you know what? Well, let's let's do that for let's find him a bungalow where he can go to some darkness retreat. You know, mid sea. I don't care on his bye week, like whatever. Like make it work. Do what you have to to get the deal done. Like. This has to happen. I really, you know, I think the time uh, for it to marinate is getting the best of me and a lot of Jets fans, but I do just, I feel like uh, this has to happen. I think something needs to go our way and this is the one that's finally going to. Yeah. I, it's funny. You're, you're not in our discord yet. We'll get you in there. All right. I've done the research. There is a place within like an hour of one Jets drive where he can get his Ayushka, whatever the there hell. There you go. Know. See? So <laughs> I've done the research for Aaron. He could, he can reach out to me if he comes here. I'll tell him where to go. <laughs> All right. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't be, I really, uh, I'd be upset that in land Aaron, I'm not expecting it. I'm hoping for it, but I do think that, uh, that he's the favorite. Um, I wouldn't be like upset with Jimmy Garoppolo. I think a lot of that similar to the way you feel about Hackett, it's like, okay, you know, you got Hackett, that's all fine, but it's dependent upon who they get as a, yeah. uh, as a quarterback. Same thing with Jimmy G it's like, okay, well that decision's dependent upon who comes back or who they sign as a backup quarterback. Cause you know, that person's going to be playing. Yeah, Jimmy can get the guys the ball. That's the thing. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah, I get it. It's not like the sexiest pick in the world, but you know, he's fed Debo, he's fed Kittle, he's fed Ayuk, whomever you want to name, McCaffrey yeah. before he got hurt. The guy could get these playmakers the ball, and that's important, and we need that. Um, any closing thoughts, Steven, before we wrap this one up? No, I mean, listen, um, you know, it's uh it's gonna be fun. Usually um we wait till March, you know, for this stuff to happen and then it comes uh it comes fast and furious and it's uh, it's free agency and then draft. But now we're kinda, you know, football never football never loses, man. It takes over everything and it just dominates every part of of uh of the year. There is no off season in the NFL, so it's awesome. So hopefully we get uh we get an answer on the quarterback in the next few weeks. I'm kind of banking on maybe like a week after the Super Bowl and and after Rodgers gets back from his darkness retreat and he, he you know whatever 
uh, illusions he has tell them to go to New York and uh, and be <laughs> the, uh, getting the Jets back to the Super Bowl and, and you know, getting uh, taking Joe Willie's retired number 12 and all that good stuff. But no, man, it, uh, it was fun to get back in the saddle. It was uh, it was good talking with you again, talking Jets. This is always fun. So good times, man. Appreciate you coming yeah, on. Of course. Um, yeah, well, we'll definitely do a show if any news breaks. If not, we'll definitely do some stuff. Um, in March when free agency comes. I know I've, I've talked to a couple of people while coming on, some guys who cover the team, which will be pretty fun. Um, and as a reminder, make sure to subscribe to the show on Apple, um, YouTube, and Spotify. For YouTube, it's youtube.com slash Turn the Jets TV. Um, and then on Apple or Spotify, just search uh, Turn on the Jets Live and you'll see our logo, TOJ Live. Um, and also, I'm assuming a lot of you already are, but if you're not a Patreon subscriber for Badlands, check it out. We have the new tier for $10 a month for the War Room, which is even more exclusive content, specifically video content and extra podcasts. And now there's also the Discord, which is really cool. And it's been fun connecting with a lot of people. Uh, appreciate everybody who tunes in. And, you know, we'll talk to you guys soon.